calling all families. Discovery Plus has thousands of shows that will bring everyone together. Stream exclusive originals like Shop Suites and Design Star Next Gen. Plus, explore a huge collection of family favorites like Planet Earth, Cake Wars, Mythbusters, and many more. All for just $4.99. Discovery Plus is the streaming home for the whole family. Plus so much more. Start your free trial today. Susie, yes, you can have a cheese stick and you got to get one for each other kid, okay? okay and for us. And for daddy's friends on the computer. Jessica, <laughs> Jessica say hello? Hello. Welcome to episode 31 of How We Win. All over the country, people are staying home, staying safe, and doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to make a difference right now, right from your living room. The best antidote to anxiety is action. We need your help. Yes, still, and we'll get through this together. Joining us today is Ben Wickler, head of the Wisconsin Democratic Party. They have a big fight on their hands next week, and their election is still on. Ben breaks down what's going on and how volunteers are helping by phone and by social media to turn out vote-by-mail voters for a race that's really going to have some major national implications. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And and this this is How How We Win. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. (laughs) Mariah and Steve here. It's Steve Exotic here, actually. Steve is <laughs> my new my new name. Listen, it's relevant because as people will recall, Joe Exotic did run for president in twenty sixteen. He did. I didn't really pay attention. I vaguely remember John Oliver's segment about him. We're talking, of course, about Tiger King, which has taken home binging by storm during the coronavirus and apparently uh, been not great for the state of Oklahoma because that park I was just reading a couple of days ago got overrun with visitors and the governor was like cool with it. Oh, well, it's, it's, that, that's a very on-trend, on-brand follow-up to that story. <laughs> I saw a conspiracy theory that Jared Kushner and Donald Trump were behind releasing it when they did. <laughs> Just to, <laughs> to distract, distract everyone. everybody <laughs> from wow. coronavirus. This is the Netflix show that uh, has, has taken the world by storm. And it's very unfortunate. But People, you know what? In these, in these tough times, any distraction, right? Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a, and uh, also, you brought up Jerry Kushner, which we don't... Uh, Kushner, Kushner. Kush, the Kush. We brought Kush. up Jared. We brought up Kusher, and a lot of people aren't talking about his role in this. He was actually put in charge of the response, getting ventilators early on. Been a huge part of gumming up the works and and creating this disaster of a response that we have. So it's good to bring him up. Yeah, again. we got a bunch of ventilators from the federal government in California that were broken. So thanks, Kush. Yeah. Newsom didn't send them back. He actually sent them to um, a company to repair them and said he's going to take 
stuff into his own hands because uh, that's what you do when you don't have a federal government that's got your back. So thank you to the governors and the mayors uh, who are leading the way, who are giving the public good information amidst um, these briefings where they're just unconscionable. I mean, not, not even bananas. This, it's, you know, for Trump to go off on his ratings during these briefings um, oh, yeah. uh, and, yes, and have yes. not an iota of compassion for the people who are affected by this, which is everybody now. You know, I mean, we're at the point where anyone listening to this podcast probably knows somebody who has been affected mm-hmm. by this virus. And um, these are our family members. These are our friends. And these are human beings. And this sociopath doesn't look at people as anything other than numbers. And it's it's just, it's deplorable mm-hmm. is what it is. It is. Um, the only saving grace is that he continues to have medical experts Come on. I think we need to be vigilant for the day when those medical experts aren't part of the press conferences where mm. they're, you know, Trump, Pence and some executives who are doing something. Then we need to take a step back and say, OK, you know, j- just just things to be aware of and, mi- and mindful of as we are also vulnerable and seeing like what vulnerable countries around the world are are going through. We we have to be ever vigilant from what's going on nationally, even as we focus on what's going on in our own homes. It's a really great point. I would like to take my direction from uh, scientists and uh, mm-hmm. professionals in uh, infectious disease circles and not corporations. That would be my preference. Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of corporations, there are obviously, you know, business is being hit super hard right now. There are some businesses that are shifting. There are some businesses that are doing better than others in this moment. And I wanted to mention um, worker strikes mm-hmm. that are happening this week. Um, as we're recording this, uh, Whole Foods employees are going on strike uh, and yesterday, Instacart and Amazon employees went on strike. Um, obviously, they're doing this at really, really critical moments, um, and they're asking for better protections uh, for their health and safety. They're asking for hazard pay right now. They're asking for a commitment to making it easier for customers to tip. Um, if you are using these services, it's really important that you that you advocate for these workers. The purpose of a strike is to make the lives of the public inconvenient so that we will go to the corporations and say, you know, we want the workers to have these things as well. So, you know, if your Instacart delivery was delayed yesterday, you know, the best response is not to go to Peapod or Amazon Prime Now or find another service, but to reach out to the company and let them know that you stand with workers who deserve everything that they're asking for right now. And please uh, tip what you can. Yeah, great point. Amazon's especially got to check themselves. You know, they... uh we all use Amazon. I use Amazon a lot, but you know they literally fired the worker who mm-hmm. um, organized this walkout that happened yesterday, I believe. Yeah, um, they got to check themselves, and we got to keep our eyes on on that and support these workers. We have to check them. 
Yeah, like that's unconscionable to fire somebody for. Well, what I meant, what I want, what I meant is Bezos has to check himself before he wrecks mm-hmm. himself. That's what I meant. Oh, okay, good, good, good. I, yeah, I thought I thought that's what you meant. <laughs> but we'll, yeah. we'll check him too. We gotta check him. Ah, <laughs> uh, Bezos. Should he chickity check himself? <laughs> I think he, he should. Riggedy I think... wrecks himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should do all those things, and also pay taxes. Um. <laughs> Anywho, uh, let's talk about McConnell because McConnell recently <laughs> just said that um, Dem impeachment push distracted the government from the coronavirus threat. Oh. So he is blaming the yeah. lack of preparedness from yeah. our government, who, by the way, let, just to um, reemphasize, Donald Trump and his administration cut the department that Obama had established for infectious disease response and Mm -hmm. cut the budget for the CDC, removed all those people. So anyway, but the fact that we weren't prepared for this was the Democrats' fault for pushing impeachment when they did, according to Mitch McConnell. Sure. Why why wouldn't we hold Trump accountable for from his misdeeds. Uh, that's absurd. And also, as the impeachment was going on in the Senate, U.S. intelligence agencies were briefing members of Congress and the White House about this mysterious health pandemic uh, that was happening in China and, and beyond. And they chose to ignore that for a very long time. So, yeah. you know... I guess Mitch McConnell can't do more than one thing at one time, which is right. You know, maybe, maybe, this, maybe he's not qualified for the job that he has. If that's the case, I think maybe his. I think his single focus on uh, obstructing everything the Democrats do and trying to put conservative judges in federal courts has made it impossible for him to do anything else. Get a different job, Mitch. Let's. Give him a different job and let's get him out of that speaker chair. All right. Well, there's actually a lot of reasons for hope and a a lot of cool stuff going on this week that Mm -hmm. I really want to talk about because this is a scary time. And there's been some really amazing things that have come out of this, as always does in a time of crisis. What are some things that that you want to highlight? Well, um, I've been doing a lot of Zoom calls, which prior to this, I would have told you I don't like, but I'm <laughs> loving them. Like, uh, thank goodness that this isn't all conference call stuff because I just, you know, really miss seeing people's faces. We're still doing the podcast separately, yeah. um, being responsible for the time being. But, you know, when I get to, like, just hang out with people virtually, I really appreciate that. And I, I'm i trying to transfer that into the same feeling among my neighbors. Like, when we see each other walking the dogs out on the street, right. trying to – it's not working so far. Not It's not the friendliest neighborhood <laughs> oh, that, no. I, I, that I live in. <laughs> And it's real disappointing for my dog when they don't say hi to her because they're social distancing. Well, but, your dog um, is really sensitive. She's got to get over that. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but, uh, but last night there was a, a neighborhood-wide clap for healthcare workers. So we are finding ways through, you know, not having to directly interact with that's, each other. That's been amazing. We just clap at though. each other from a distance. 
Yes. But that's been amazing. All over the world, people have been doing these uh, claps and cheers for healthcare workers during shift changes. And um, look online, you'll find these videos all over the place. It's really amazing. And these nurses and doctors are doing incredible work. They're on the front lines. They're putting themselves at risk to take mm-hmm. care of us as as they do. And man, they are they're overwhelmed and deserve every bit of of love uh, and support that we can give them. So the clapping is nice, but there's some local restaurants that are doing this uh, buy a healthcare worker a meal. Hmm. thing that I am I'm looking forward to participating in and I think that the the healthcare workers would probably most want personal protective equipment but I think that they are appreciating that people are trying their I don't have any equipment to give them but we can always find something to do or some way to say thank you yeah and one thing that I've seen a few of these happen in neighborhoods, which have been really cool. I've literally witnessed two of them, and then I saw a friend post one, and that's these drive-by happy birthday parades. Have you seen oh, this at all? so cute. Yeah. Our, our neighbor across the street, their son Tanner, I'm not sure what how old he is now. I think he's about 10 years old, had a huge caravan a parade of cars with signs and noisemakers and blasting birthday songs and driving by honking and waving to him and um, my friend lauren had a birthday and uh, everyone showed up for lauren which was really cool that's that's really nice the people are are coming up with creative ways to do it neighborhoods are putting stuffed animals up in their windows for kids to see and um, it's you know it's People are figuring out really cool ways to connect with each other in their communities. I was, my biggest fear when this all started happening was that we were already so disconnected from each other in our, Mm. in our lives and we're so polarized in our communities and we talk about being in our bubbles all the time. I was really worried that now that we're staying at home, it's going to further isolate us, but it's actually forced people into finding ways to reach out in their communities and to talk to people. Of -hmm. course, this disease doesn't um, care what political party you're affiliated with. And we're all trying to help each other out. And it's it creates that common ground that, um, look, I wish we didn't have to do it this way, which didn't, you know, take a global pandemic for us to all communicate and connect with each other. But that's mm-hmm. a byproduct. That's something that I've been seeing. And um, and it's it's really surprised me, frankly. It's been it's been nice. It has been nice. I'm really looking. I'm really like fantasizing about what happens when this is all over. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to take you people for granted anymore. (laughs) Oh, I'm not talking to my neighbors after this. It's over. More (laughs) get-togethers. Right. The other thing that's exciting is that we are shifting and finding um, ways to engage with voters. Um, Yeah even in in spite of this. And that is a huge shift. I mean, we've been talking for so long about, you know, face-to-face contact is is the most important thing. And and we weren't lying. Um, (laughs) But, you know, being adaptive and and innovative is also really important. And um, we have have some cool, cool tools for people to use to do that. 
Absolutely. We'll talk about your to-do list and, and I'll say, seriously, the, the very first thing is stay home, of course. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if that's all you do this week, that's enough. A lot of people still need to just regroup and get settled with their families and figure out what this, these next few weeks are going to look like as these um, stay-at-home orders are extended. But if you want to get into action while you're at home and do some stuff from the living room, we have some exciting ways to do it. And Swing Left just launched our virtual organizing hub. We'll put a link to it on, on our pod site, but it's swingleft.org slash virtual-organizing. Mm-hmm. Go there, check it out. It's got different resources for you to do effective, important, strategic work while you're at home, while you're yeah, social really distancing. Helpful. Yeah. And one of those things is letter writing parties, virtual letter writing parties. Ooh, I love a party. Yeah. And you love Zoom because you were talking about Zoom earlier. So, I was just talking about this. <laughs> you were just talking about that. And so uh, four times a week, there are virtual letter writing parties where you can download letters in your own home and get on a Zoom with uh, people from all over the country and, uh, and write letters together. This is so cool. You can make some new organizing friends. Yeah. Connect with people, you know, wherever they may be. And... Um, Mariah, don't you think you and I should host one of these for the podcast, for the podcast listeners? Let's do it. Let's do it. Because it's I... the How We Win virtual <laughs> letter writing party. Mark your calendars. <laughs> Thursday, April 16th will be the one that we're going to host. And we will have a link to it on our page as well. And sign up. We'd love to see your faces on Zoom and, and write some letters. Great. And then, of course, on um, Wednesday, April 1st, this is what we promised you at the top of the show, National Call Night focused on Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. There's swing a swing left. Yeah. There's a very important Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, seat that is an election that we are really keeping an eye on and working hard on because, uh, well, we're going to talk about it more with Ben Wickler, who will break down why it's important, but it has huge implications for gerrymandering. It has big national implications, and this is going to be uh, the first of a few special elections coming up where we're really going to test our digital organizing and remote organizing skills and, and see what we can do to win progressive victories. So we encourage everyone to get involved. Again, we'll have the the link on our page Wednesday, April 1st. Let's make some calls. Let's win an election in Wisconsin. Yes, let's do it. I was just like, oh, that's April Fool's Day. This is not a joke, though. I know. We're this releasing five, the pod on April. Five alarm. We're releasing the pod on fire. April Fool's Day, and it's not funny. Nothing's funny about it. But that's. All my laughter earlier in this episode was really just like nervous, anxiety <laughs> ridden. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through it together. We're going to get through it by. Um, taking care of one another. We're going to get through it by, you know, having, enjoying the moments the um, that we have with our family and watching fun shows like Tiger King and, and paying attention to the news and the important stuff that we need to stay focused on. And uh, we're going to do all of those things and, um, and get through this together. Well said. 
And speaking of important stuff we got to focus on, let's talk about Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin. I'm excited for everyone to hear Ben Wickler, who I've admired for a long time with his work at Move On, and he's a spectacular chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Party. And he was good enough to call in from home. We got to meet his kids, too. That was fun. We all ate cheese sticks together. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Find a moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app. Ben Wickler is the chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Party. He was formerly a senior advisor at Move On and held senior leadership roles also at Avaz.org and Change.org, the world's two largest online organizing networks. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us just a week away from Wisconsin's primary. Thanks so much for having me on, and thanks for all that you and your listeners are doing. So how are things looking for the primary next week? Man. (laughs) (laughs) Right to it. (laughs) Jump right in. No one has, to our knowledge, in the United States, there's never been an election, a general election conducted in these conditions. Uh, We have a full-blown raging coronavirus crisis in Wisconsin right now. There are more than Mm -hmm. a thousand cases here. Uh, there, you know, we have more than a dozen deaths already, and that number is climbing rapidly across the state. Sixty uh, percent of municipalities report poll worker shortages. I have heard from places where two thirds of their poll workers have canceled already. Uh, the governor, I mean, there's reports that the governor is considering asking state employees or the national guard to fill in to help conduct elections. Uh, cities are shutting down polling places left and right. Clerks are in this position where people contact them and say to request a voter, to request an absentee ballot, they need to submit a photo of their voter ID and these are closed and they're supposed to stay in their house. And um, there's a a box you can check to say that you're indefinitely confined. So in in two places, uh, two counties, they've said to people, look, if you cannot upload a photo of your voter ID, but you're a, you know, eligible registered voter, then just mark the indefinitely confined box and the Republican Party of Wisconsin immediately sued and, and took it to the state Supreme Court. Uh, meanwhile, we're at the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. We're in federal court to try to get the voter ID requirement thrown out in this context mm-hmm. uh, and to you know, do everything we can to help people vote safely. I, I don't think anyone knows what happens in a context like this. Uh, if if we did not have this crisis, it was going to be a, a close election and, you know, everything we're looking at was suggesting it could go either way, but we were definitely right there in the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, in that context, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone honestly knows. Um, it could be uh, it could be super close. It could be a landslide in, in either direction. Uh, we just don't know. So some states have postponed their, their primaries. Wisconsin at this point is moving forward. Uh, and it looks like you all are having just a tremendous number of absentee ballots requested. Um, I think I was reading nearly a million. So do you think this election will go forward next Tuesday, primarily vote by mail? Well, here's the thing. In other places, they just have a primary. But in Wisconsin, this is an actual general election for a state Supreme Court seat for a 10-year term, Mm -hmm. for the Milwaukee mayor and Milwaukee county executive for 
uh, Appleton's mayor for school referenda in lots of parts of the state for county board seats in every part of Wisconsin. There are a lot of critical offices that will become vacated if people's terms uh, expire and there's no successor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if a judge orders that the election date be moved, then we'll, you know, somehow everyone will sort of figure out what the next thing is. But uh, it is not just a primary. It's not something the party is conducting. This is a, you know, election written into statute by the legislature uh, that has enormous consequences for governance across the state. Mm-hmm. And it, right now, uh, the the Republican leaders of the legislature are very clear that they don't want to move the election. They don't want to change any of the rules. And the last last spring election in 2019, we had 1.2 million votes cast. We have almost a million absentee ballot requests as of today, Tuesday, and the deadline is this Thursday at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. So you know, we could have more requests than we'd had votes in the last uh, entire election. Wow. That said, some people won't necessarily return them. And no one has a model that I trust even a little bit for who is willing to and does successfully go vote in person. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Normally in an election, both sides spend a lot of time figuring out who are the likely voters, who are the potential you know, voters who might not always vote. Uh, this time, you know, I, I don't think we can confidently say that anyone who we haven't seen return their absentee ballot um, is somebody we know is going to vote. And so it is, it is yeah. a new world. Certainly unprecedented uh, world. So this election uh, will be one of the ones that we use as a model going forward and and looking at what's going to happen in November, too. Um, You had big plans for, you know, a massive ground game in Wisconsin for this election. You know, you've worked and advised the biggest and most successful digital organizing platforms that exist today, Avaz and Change and Move On. How has how you're reaching out to voters changed with the arrival of coronavirus? And what, what advice do you have from your experience organizing digitally that you can share with people? In Wisconsin, we've been gearing up, frankly, since the spring of 2017, to run the biggest field operation, knock on the most doors, uh, neighbors knocking on their neighbors' doors, in 2020 that our state has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And coronavirus means that people don't and shouldn't want to go knock on doors, and they don't and shouldn't want to open the door to strangers knocking on them. So that tactic is just off the table. It's not like we're passing up the chance to do something that would be effective. We're, we're just, uh, we've lost the option of running a standard field operation. Yeah. Uh, that means we shift to digital. Uh, we went all virtual before the stay-at-home order was handed down, actually, in Wisconsin, because we could see this wave coming. And now our field staff, our county chairs, and their volunteers, our neighborhood action teams, we have them in hundreds of communities around the state, they are doing neighbor-to-neighbor calling programs. They're doing virtual phone banks. They're using relational organizing tools in which you basically figure out which of the people in your personal contacts are potential voters who would go your way and we basically can track and support you reaching out to them and reminding them and helping them get in their absentee ballot successfully. We're doing peer-to-peer text messages. We're doing social media canvassing. We're doing all these things that had been a part of our program. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, some of them we'd been thinking of this spring as a kind of chance to pilot them. Now we're doing them at scale. <laughs> right. <And laughs> it's, it is very different. What's, uh, I, what's social media canvassing? Social media canvassing is... Um, posting on social media in Facebook groups or next door groups or, um, you know, 
doing things in the online spaces that you occupy and then seeing how people respond and as warranted individually reaching out to them. Um, normally when you knock on a door, you're asking, you know, who are you going to vote for in this election? And would you, you know, commit to voting for Jill Karofsky for Supreme Court? You can do the same thing on Facebook Messenger. You can do the same thing with a Facebook post about Jill Karofsky and then see who likes it or post an angry you know, emoji in the reaction. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a lot you can, people reveal a lot about their intentions and behavior um, and are happy to, to raise their hand as, you know, enthusiastic Democratic voters in a social media context. So those signals are often lost, I think, in political campaigns, but they're incredibly powerful as a way of figuring out who's on your team and then uh, giving you a basis to follow up to, with them through your personal online relationship. Are you training volunteers to do that, or is this, or, or is this your team that's doing it? Um, so the general sort of model is um, uh, see, see, do, teach. And so with a member of our staff or a neighborhood team lead or a volunteer who can recruit other volunteers, you try to show someone how something works, then you have them do it themselves, and then you train trainers to train other people. Mm-hmm. And so different, um, different techniques are in different states in different parts of the state. Uh, in other words, there's, there's actually a group in northern Wisconsin called the Digital Dems of Northwest Wisconsin that have been doing social media canvassing for some time. Um, there, there are a group of volunteers who are running trainings about how to do those things, virtual trainings for folks all over the state. They used to be doing in-person trainings. Um, you know, the, the phrase, the future is already here. It's just arriving at different times in different places. I want to like that with, with digital field organizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, each of these things in some cases is being done entirely by volunteers and, you know, our staff is working with the whole palette of tools. Speaking of a palette of tools and what volunteers are doing, uh, Swing Left is doing a national call night uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, for the Wisconsin State Supreme Court election that you talked about. Could you let people know a little bit about that race and why it's so important that we help out? Yes. Uh, Historically, Republicans have been much more effective and much more attuned to the significance of judicial races and fights over ju- over judges. Uh, this is the reason Mitch McConnell gets up in the morning is to pack federal courts with Republican judges. In Wisconsin, the Republican Party, the Republican dark money groups, the Republican machine has been working relentlessly to recruit and train and deploy and support and elect Republicans to especially Wisconsin Supreme Court. So right now they have a 5-2 advantage over the non, you know, not just non-Republican, non-partisan judges right. uh, in the other two seats. Right now, even though they have a 5-2 advantage, we actually have a deadlock in our Supreme Court over a critical case, which is whether our elections commission should purge 234,000 voters from our voting rolls. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a response to a lawsuit brought by a right-wing group called the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Um, there's a Republican judge on the Supreme Court who actually used to litigate for that right-wing group he fought for gerrymandered maps. He fought uh, to defend Scott Walker, our former governor, in corruption cases. He was then appointed to the Supreme Court. His name is Dan Kelly. And Dan Kelly, although he you know, litigated for, was on the advisory board for the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, six times he has refused to recuse himself from cases that they brought and ruled in their, in their favor every single time. Hmm. And now, in this case, over the voter purge, right before his election, he did recuse himself which I think you know made sense politically because 
it's a bad look to to rule the purge voters in your own election a few weeks before the election. He, <laughs> he's signaled that if he's elected, then he's going he's gonna to consider, and I have a suspicion of what his consideration will lead to, unrecusing himself. And so right. it's really the tie-breaking vote in that case. And this is probably going to wind up being one of multiple voting rights cases that could affect the election of Donald Trump and the defeat of Donald Trump in the fall that will come before their state Supreme Court in the course of this year. So this is a, a race that has enormous significance nationally. Uh, it's also important for Wisconsin because the Supreme Court will consider issues like gerrymandered maps um, after the 2020 census and, and redistricting process. So a lot is on the line. And Dan Kelly is essentially a Republican activist wearing judicial robes. He's been endorsed by Donald Trump at his mega rally in Milwaukee right before coronavirus hit. He's right. uh, you know, take, done fundraisers at gun ranges and posted selfies of himself in the AR-15. He's, he's a Republican politician who happens to be on our state Supreme Court. And we are organizing a massive push, uh, working with scores of different groups. Uh, and there's also lots of groups on the independent side that are working to try to elect Jill Karofsky to the Supreme Court to replace Dan Kelly. Mm -hmm. uh, Jill for Justice is her website, jillforjustice.com. That's her slogan. She is great. She's an actual judge. Not She's coming from this um, having served in a, as a judge in Dane County for a number of years. She was a special a special prosecutor for domestic violence before that. She ran the state office of uh, programs for crime victims. So she has a deep familiarity with you know all sides of the criminal justice system. And she wants to actually be, you know, a justice who thinks about justice and and uh, civil rights and making sure the judicial system works for everyone, which is what you want. You don't want right. I mean, you know, I'm the Democratic Party chair, but I'd rather have actual judges. Uh, on our Supreme Court. And that just makes too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> Call me old-fashioned. <laughs> Call me old-fashioned. Yeah. So that is, those are the sort of battle lines. What we're seeing right now is a, a dark money group called the Re Republican State Leadership Committee um, coming in, pouring huge amounts of money into the race at the last second, which mm -hmm. is something they did in 2019 also. Um, there's also a group called Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, which is the kind of the big business lobby, um, they're pouring a fortune into the race and we are battling as hard as we can on our side. Um, I think that the toughest piece that makes it the biggest unknown is coronavirus and this question of whether, uh, whether there might be a partisan gap in how much people are conscious of the dangers that coronavirus poses, mm -hmm. uh, which would be, you know, it's, it's not great for, uh, you know, for, for Democrats in the race, but it's also not good for public health. I would talk about people that, showing up to actual polls. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I would, I would rather that we fight this out on a, on a safe and even playing field. And um, I'm concerned by public polling that I've seen that uh, there are a lot of Republican voters, including older Republican voters who are particularly at risk, who are only a little concerned rather than moderately or severely concerned. Um, and you know, if people are voting in person, I want them to do so with utmost care. And frankly, the, the best thing for everyone is to, if you can, is to request and submit an absentee ballot. Yeah, we were talking a lot about that with Marcos from Daily Coast last week's episode, too, just how voting by mail, it's something that 
as Democrats, we know we we want everyone to have access to the vote and voting by mail is a great way to do it. But for Republicans, it's really kind of strategic for them now for the first time, too, because they have a lot of vulnerable voters that are, are at risk. And, um, you know, they, they want to take care of those people, too. I mean, we just it just happens to fall in line with basic humanity and keeping people safe and alive. But, you know, it's strategic for them, too, I think. I I mean, I think it is. I think it is, especially from a medium to long-term perspective. Um, Susie, yes, you can have a cheese stick and you got to get one for each other kid, okay? Okay. And for us. And for daddy's friends on the computer. (laughs) (laughs) Daddy's doing a podcast. Snack break. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She's excited about the podcast, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> How did you get on a podcast? Can you say hello? Hello. There you go. Hello. How old's your daughter? So you heard my son, my daughter, Susie, who's five. And this is my son, Jack, who's two. And Susie's getting the cheese sticks while Jack climbs on daddy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. This is the way we should work. <laughs> as long as everyone involved is cool with it, I think. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that you you're bringing like a really you've been heading the Wisconsin Democratic Party for almost a year. You bring really unique perspective and work experience to it. Um, why did you feel that this role was this next stop on your organizing and, and political journey? I I think it's kind of a character flaw, but if I'm not working on what feels like the biggest fight that I can find, mm-hmm. then I have an existential crisis and wonder what I'm doing with my life. So <laughs> I, I have wanted to move home to Wisconsin for a long time. And after we had our third child, who you've now heard, um, it felt like high time to be near grandparents. Um, and then after getting here, uh, my predecessor as state party chair decided not to run for a third term. And so... I had, you know, this moment of either I could stay and move on, and I love the work that Move On does, uh, or I could jump right into the fray in what has proven to be the the state that's most likely to tip the Electoral College in 2020. And I just felt like uh, this, the battle was here, and I, you know, wanted to bring everything I could to this fight. And I feel so lucky to be able to do that now, working with folks who've been in the trenches in a state that has been a just an extraordinary battleground for everything that, you know, Democrats and progressives care about across the country uh, for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the amazing thing for me also was I, I grew up very involved in politics, volunteering, uh, you know, stuffing envelopes and, and knocking on doors. When I was a kid, the state representative from downtown Madison was someone who used to come to debates that I helped organize like in high school uh, to talk about issues affecting teenagers. And she was then elected to Congress my senior year of high school and my friends and I all volunteered on uh, on her campaign, and then Tammy Baldwin was elected to Congress, and then elected to Senate. And mm. so, amazing. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's <laughs> these folks that I've you know known in different capacities my whole life that uh, are playing such an important role in 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 the big fight across the country now. And being able to work alongside those those folks is just a, a great honor. Well, awesome. you wanted a challenge. <laughs> you got one. <laughs> right. <laughs> now you have it. Well, you obviously have your hands full, uh, not just with this election. Um, and you have such a 
a wide variety of experience coming into this. And um, for those of you who don't follow Ben on Twitter, you should because he always has great stuff that he shares. I've been a follower for a long time. Um, One last question. What gives you hope? The, The biggest source of hope for me is that even when times feel so incredibly dark, that there are millions of people across this country, across Wisconsin, around the world, who wake up and pour themselves into fighting for what's right. Uh, the the ability to you know look around online or after this crisis passes, be able to look around a room and see heroes who are taking incredible sacrifices and are fighting against impossible odds and prevailing. That's what keeps me going. I was deeply involved in the fight against the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, and I got to know this group of families with kids with extraordinary medical needs who were going to Capitol Hill with, you know, with trachs, sometimes with ventilators and oxygen tanks and you know, all these different things that they needed just to keep their, their children alive, mm-hmm. and were meeting with Republican senators and telling them, you need to vote for my child's life. Uh, and they fought day after day in an environment where defeat was supposed to be supposed to be assured and they won and millions of us who who fought by their side we all experienced the power of people to make the impossible possible and you know i don't know what's going to happen in our supreme court race here i don't know what's going to happen in the fall but i do know that by sustaining each other in a movement that goes beyond our own personal struggles goes even beyond uh, our parties that is how we keep fighting come uh, through the thick and thin and that's what gives me hope that's powerful yeah. thank you for all the work you're doing i'm thrilled that you're leading the way in wisconsin and also um being such a great national leader and uh keep your family safe and and hang in there and we're, we'll we've all got each other's backs during this time so yeah good luck next <laughs> week we'll be making some phone calls for you all Thank you so much. Really grateful for all you're doing. And thanks to all your listeners uh, for throwing yourselves into the fight. Um, anyone can volunteer. If you go to wisdems.org uh, slash volunteer, you can find a sign up form there. That's an easy way to get involved. Great. We'll put that up on our page as well. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you, Ben. Before we go, I just want to share an email that we got from Matt G. of Swing Left Baltimore. Um, Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for the great idea. He had the idea that um, people should write in and share what they write in their letters. Because we're, you know, as we talked about, we're doing a lot of letter writing parties right now. Mariah and I are going to host one for everybody Thursday, April 16th. Mark your calendars. Every letter, there's a place to write a personal message to people. And Mm -hmm. uh, he was good enough to share what he writes on his letter. So, Mariah, do you want to read that? Yes, I would be honored to read it. Matt adds to his letters in the personalization section. I vote in every election because my family worked and bled for this country so my kids would have a better tomorrow. Vote Democrat and save tomorrow. Well said, Matt. So well said. Boy, there... There is no better case right now to voting Democrat and saving tomorrow than what we're walking through right now. So, mm-hmm. 
Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody else who is writing letters. Please share what you write with us, and and we will uh, read it on our show. And join us Thursday, April 16th for our letter writing party. Letter writing party. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for stepping up and taking action. This is how we win. We win when we all stay healthy, stay safe, and get involved. That's right. We want to hear from you. Let us know how you're staying busy during the coronavirus pandemic and what brings you hope. Tweet to us. I'm at BluesBoySteve. And I'm at Mariah underscore Craven. Or email us at podcast at swingleft.org. Thank you to our friends at Dimcast. If you haven't, please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us on Apple or wherever you're listening to this episode. Share on social media using the hashtag HowWeWin2020. And check out our page at swingleft.org podcast. And from there, you can sign up to volunteer. We really appreciate you spending time with us here and we'll be back with more next Wednesday. Talk to you then. Bye.